Good morning, City Hope. Hope everybody's having a really, really good Sunday so far. Malvis, can we give Mobile, Baymanette, Foley, um, Fountain Correctional, Holman Correctional, and everybody watching online a huge round of applause this morning. It is great to have you guys with us, and fun little tidbit, right before I walked out, I got a text message from some of our City Hope family that are tuning in today from Hawaii, so whatever. <laughs> Next time, take us with, it, with you, show a little love, right? Um, but that's good. Welcome to City Hope all the way from Hawaii. That's awesome. Um, well, look, great to have you guys with us today. Uh, before I jump into part three of Jesus, yesterday, today, and forever, um, I want to just extend a little thank you, just a little gratitude. We're so blessed and just so thankful for all that God is doing here. And so I just wanted to thank you guys that are faithful givers. Uh, those of you that tithe and give above and beyond your tithe toward the ministry that happens here, the vision that happens here, thank you so much for that. We're so grateful for you as we expand and continue to, to move the thing forward and move the gospel forward. We're so grateful. Um, and I just wanted to just drop a little bit in, if you haven't taken that next step yet in your walk with God or in your connection here at City Hope, um, there are several ways that you can give. One of those is the offering boxes you see at every campus as you leave. Um, offering boxes all through the commons because we believe that uh, giving is an act of worship. Um, so just between you and God, it's kind of your thing. Between you and God, it's more of a private thing as you leave. Um, and then, of course, you can also give online, uh, which is a very, very easy way to give. You can set up recurring giving. Um, and then my favorite is the text message op um, option. It's really, really simple. You can just set up an account. Um, and then shoot a text anytime you want with the amount. It's just this really, really cool, um, amazing way to give because technology is pretty awesome, right? That literally in the middle of a service, if God just were to prompt you to give, you can text message, City Hope, $1 million, and it would just do it. <laughs> like, whether it's in the account or not, I don't know. No, I'm kidding. I don't think it works like that. Um, but thank you guys for giving. Thank you for being a part and contributing to the vision here. I'm excited that we're going to be launching Sarah Land hopefully soon. Um, can somebody give me a good old amen to that one? Um, ho hoping to have some good news for you soon, so be praying about that. And then we're going to be uh, pouring a slab for City Hope Foley uh, here any day now. So let's give it up for City Hope Foley. Uh, they are about to get a building, and they are excited. I can hear them. They are so excited. They're in a middle school right now, if you don't know. So, uh, so anyway, so thank you guys for being with us today. What a great, great day to be in church. Um, and I get the privilege of bringing part three of this series. I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. As you saw, we are talking about Jesus the shepherd, um, which is a really, really cool uh, metaphor for Jesus, which is a really, really cool uh, kind of imagery that all through the Bible we see God or Jesus referred to in this way. Um, and it's really, really cool. And it, the, the idea of a shepherd, it goes all the way back to the beginning of, an Old Test, of the Old Testament. So hundreds of times this imagery is used, this metaphor is used, but the people of Israel would have just really understood what a shepherd does. They would have really gotten it. In our day and age, shepherds are, you know, there are a few, right? But there's not near as many. In this day and age, it was just very common language. This metaphor would have really connected with people because they have for their entire life have heard stories of the shepherds of old. I mean, they would have heard of all the way back to Abel, 
and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and even Rachel, all these shepherds, Job, all these guys were shepherds. And so, you know, every single year they're hearing these stories and these myths and legends and these things just grow. And so they understand what a shepherd does. Uh, this was one of the most common professions in ancient Near East. This was a really, really big deal. So whenever the writers of the Bible or Jesus himself referred to him in this way, people would have immediately connected. They would have gotten it. They would have understood it um, because of just how big of a deal being a shepherd was, how common it was. So, so we know, and this is probably one of the most common and um, metaphors that's been used, and most of us probably know it. We've heard it before. Whether you grew up in church, whether this is your first time in church, my, my guess is it's no surprise to you that Jesus has been referred to as a shepherd, right? It's just common. Like, we kind of know this. We kind of get this. And, and like I said, even Jesus refers to himself this way. Uh, in John 10, 10, he says this. Uh, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then in verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. See, they had, all, they had known, and they would heard a lot of stories about good shepherds, right? They'd grown up hearing these stories and knowing these things. But Jesus comes along, and he says, he says, listen, I am the good shepherd. There is not another shepherd better than me. I am the good shepherd. What an incredible image. What an incredible thought. Now, we kind of get the shepherd part of it a little bit. We kind of understand that Jesus um, kind of refers to himself that way. But the negative side of this, or the other side, is if Jesus is the shepherd, then what does that make me and you? <laughs> that makes us sheep, people. And let me just tell you something. That's not a compliment. <laughs> does anybody feel the warm and fuzzies yet? Okay? Look, the fact that we are sheep is not a compliment because sheep are not really the smartest animals in the animal kingdom. Did, did, did you know this? Sheep are not really the most, the most amazing, wonderful, awesome animals in the animal kingdom, but yet in this metaphor, in this analogy, we are the sheep. Now, here's the thing about sheep. Growing up as a kid, you never pretended to be a sheep, okay? You, were, you pretended to be a lion, you pretended to be a wolf, you pretended to be a shark, but you never pretended to be a sheep unless you had an older brother, that was the lion or the shark or the wolf and then he was like hey junior you're gonna be the sheep because i'm about to get you right that's the only time you're, like there's nothing good about being a sheep you don't walk into a tattoo parlor and look at all the lion faces that would be awesome maybe a wolf like right here nah man give me that sheep <laughs> give me that helpless pathetic fluff ball I just want a big old sheep right here because that thing's tough. No, nobody does that because nobody wants to be a sheep. But over and over and over, we see this imagery used in the Bible. Here's the thing about sheep. Sheep cannot protect themselves in any way, shape, or form. They are, they are like nature's victim. Anything can kill a sheep. A lion, a wolf, a small dog, a large bird insects did you know insects can actually kill sheep like they will drive them so crazy that they'll ram ram their head against a, a tree or something and then just boom dead right they cannot protect themselves they have no sharp teeth they have no sharp hooves they are a fluffy ball of nothing so they have no camouflage 
They are literally, they cannot protect themselves. And if they run any more than a few feet, they just fall over and die. Bah. <laughs> done skis. They're over. They're done. Just like that. Like a sheep cannot protect themselves in any way. And <laughs> they're half blind and they're half deaf. They're just, I feel like we need to pray over the sheep <laughs> of the world a little bit. Jesus needs to do some magic, do something. Right? I mean, they're just pitiful. They're half blind. They're half deaf. Listen, a sheep can be three or four feet away from water, but will die of dehydration because they cannot see the water. Right? They're just, they're, they're pitiful. <laughs> These pitiful little creatures. And listen, because of that, they can't provide for themselves. They have to actually be led to every bit of sustenance in their life. They have to be led to everything. Like I said, I mean, they would... They, they couldn't get to water unless a shepherd takes them to water. They would continue drinking uh, 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 toxic water. They would just keep drinking it over and over and over again until they died, unless a shepherd leads them away from that and takes them someplace else. Because a sheep cannot in any way provide for themselves. Listen, a sheep will not survive without a shepherd. A sheep cannot thrive or survive without a shepherd in their life they won't make it they won't live and i think that whenever god was creating all the animals and it came to this one <laughs> i think he put a little extra like something in it because he wanted to make sure that this was the perfect metaphor for the need for a human being to have a shepherd this was the, per I mean, he literally, this was a finely tuned animal for us, for you and me. Because of our need, I mean, our absolute need for a shepherd. We are wired to have a shepherd. The only two things, really, that a sheep can do well is they can wander. They can drift. They can just kind of, hey, look at the butterfly. I don't know, whatever. Right? They can drift or they can be eaten. That's it. They can wander off or they can be eaten. And I think, and I just put that with us a little bit, and I think, man, is that not us as human beings? How easy it is for us to be devoured by the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Simply because we just, we wander away from the shepherd. And we take our own path, we find our own way, we wander off from the good shepherd. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know me because I know them. One of the passages in the Bible that I think probably um, makes it possible for us all to understand this idea of a shepherd, and we've, we've heard this imagery before, and that's Psalm 23. Most of us, whether you've been around church or not, if this is your very first time, you're like, man, I don't even know about this whole thing, you've probably heard Psalm 23 before. Um, if not, you've definitely heard bits and pieces of it. But Psalm 23 goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We've heard this, right? We've heard this, right? 
We all have heard this scripture before. We understand it. And here's David giving us this beautiful picture of what our loving father is. So what I want to do, I want to spend the rest of our time, I want to talk about six things that a good shepherd does. The six things that through this that we read right here in Psalm 23 that a good shepherd does. And the first one is this, because we're sheep and we cannot provide, he provides for us. The very first part of that says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. In the New King James it says, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I look at us as a people and I think, man, you know what, most of us are being shepherded. We're being led somewhere, and most of us, it's, it's a want that's leading us. It's a desire. It's, it's the desire for more. It's the desire for something different. It's, a, it's this want thing, and then the psalmist comes along, and he says, listen, if the Lord is your shepherd, then you, you won't want anything because he is everything that you need. He is all of it, and so many of us, we wander through life looking for more. And we're being led by our wants. We're being led by our desires. We're being led by what, we, by what we want to add to our life. And yet Jesus, the good shepherd, he will provide everything that we actually need. The thing, about, the thing about the good shepherd is that he knows you fully today, in this place, right now. In this exact moment, he fully knows you. Everything about you. But the, also the really, really cool thing about Jesus is that he knows the you seven days from now. Everything about you. What, what your financial dynamics are going to be, what your family struggles are going to be. He knows everything about you 30 days from now. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about you a year from now. He knows everything about you 10 years from now when you, when you send your kids to college. He knows everything about you 20 years from now whenever you retire. He knows everything about everything that you're ever going to do, every decision you're ever going to make. He knows exactly what you need. So whenever he is the good shepherd of your life, you will have everything that you need. The problem is, is that we think we're the providers. Especially men in the room, right? We're the providers. We go out, we kill stuff, we come back in, and the, and the, and the woman cooks it, right? Like, that's the mentality that we have, is that we provide. We go out and we conquer the world and we do this thing. But no, you're not the provider. God Almighty is the provider. The good shepherd is the provider. The good shepherd leads you and takes you to fields and places and streams, and he actually provides the things for your life. Should you work hard? Absolutely. Should you be diligent and do everything that you're supposed to do? Absolutely. But don't you for a moment think that you're the provider. Because if you're following the good shepherd, he is the provider. I think a really, really good way to kind of look at this verse that kind of helps me understand it or helps me think about it is looking at it like this. When the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When he's actually my shepherd, when he's my shepherd, I shall not want. When I have actually fallen in line behind the good shepherd and said, lead me, shepherd, that I'm not going to be in any want because he knows what I need. He knows exactly what needs to be applied and added to my life every single day. Now, tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, he knows me and he knows what I need. The very next verse of this, it goes on in verse 3. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes, he restores my soul. The second thing that the good shepherd does is he restores he restores. You know, there's a whole lot going on in our world right now, if you haven't noticed. 
a lot of chaos, a lot of crazy, a lot of weird, a lot of insanity. We've got this whole political, I don't even know what to call it, thing happening, right? We've got this ISIS problem. We've got, you know, not to mention your personal stuff, juggling work and time and finances and kids. And I mean, there's all this stress, all this pressure, all this stuff. And it weighs on us. It weighs us down, the anxiety, the terror, the fear, the worry, whatever it is that's going on in your life, whatever you're battling, whatever you're facing, it's weighing on us. And the thing about it is the soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Those things are full of stress right now. They're full of anxiety right now. And here's what's going to happen. If these things continue to mount on top of you, you will break. You will break. Either mentally physically, emotionally, the more we take this on and we don't deal with the problems, we will break. A lot of us right now, we're, we're hiding from problems. We don't want to confront things head on. Whenever we're battling this stuff, we find avenues and ways of just medicating and hiding and getting away, whether it's bad habits, substances, or maybe it's just, maybe it's just technology. Maybe it's just there's a problem over here, well, I'm just going to I'm going to disappear. I'm going to hide. I'm going to go into another place. I'm going to go, I'm going to go off the grid. I'm going to get out. I'm just going to ignore it doesn't happen. But these pressures just continue to mount on us. Something's got to give, right? Because we don't deal with it. We don't handle it. We don't allow the good shepherd to come in and lead us to a place of peaceful waters to refresh our souls. And what happens if you don't handle it, I love this, because what's going to happen is that he's going to make you lie down in green pastures. I love this. If, you're, if you are following the good shepherd, then he may just make you lie down. He's made me lie down before. He, I mean, I've taken on and taken on and taken on to the point that my marriage begins to suffer, my life begins to suffer, my work begins to suffer, my finances begin to suffer, and all of a sudden I hit rock bottom and I just think, man, my life is over, but God's going, no, you're right where I wanted you. You wouldn't stop long enough to hear me, so I'm going to make you lie down. And the way we respond right there is everything, because a lot of us, we go, well, fine, God, if you don't love me enough, you're going to pull the rug out from underneath me that I'm done. But if we'll stop for a second and just listen and go, man, God loves me so much, he's going to make sure I lay down in a pasture of green grass, which is sustenance, which is exactly what the sheep needs. If we'll just stop and respond, but either way, he is going to refresh our soul. He is going to refresh us. He's going to lead us into that place. I love this, too, that he says, throw that verse back up there. I love this too that he says that he is going to lead us by, uh, beside quiet waters. He's going to lead us there. Listen, I love this because our, our, our shepherd doesn't pick us up and carry us there. It doesn't say that he throws you over his shoulders and he's going to fix your problem for you. No, no, he's going to lead you there. He's going to say, hey, listen, one foot in front of the other. Here we go, buddy. You ready? Here's what we're going to do. I know you're at rock bottom right now. But if you'll listen to my voice, I'm going to lead you from this place to this place, and I'm going to pull you out of this. Some of you right now, you're battling, you're frustrated, you're stressed out, and the Spirit of God is saying, hey, here's a step you probably need to take. You know what, maybe, maybe there's a book you need to read, maybe you need to get up a little earlier and spend some time with me, maybe you need to get in counseling, maybe you need to get in a small group around people that love you, maybe you need to take off work a little early and actually go spend some time with your kids or your wife, maybe you need to take a weekend off, you need to get away for a little while, whatever it is, but I guarantee you, if you're there, if you're about to break, he wants to refresh and restore your soul. You just got to listen. You got to let him. You got to let him into your heart and then take that step. 
Take that next step so that he can restore your soul. He can make you new. He can lead you to peaceful waters, green pastures. He can get you in the place where you will get what your soul needs, your mind, will, and emotions. All right, I got a little heated up on that one. You ready? Okay, Psalm 23, we're going to go on down to the next one. This is verse 3, second half. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I kind of already talked a little bit about it, but let me go a little deeper in this word leads. Because a good shepherd leads. Listen, there's a big difference between leading and driving. You can drive cattle. We've all seen the westerns, right? You can drive cattle, you can get on your horse, you can crack a whip, you can holler, and you can get cattle to go wherever you want to go, but that doesn't work for a sheep. Sheep have to be led. And this is such a big, big thing because Jesus will never force you to do anything that you do not want to do. He, he is a gentleman. He will never force himself or his will or what he wants for you on you. He simply leads you. And listen to what John 10 says. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate. This is Jesus. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. In the ancient Near East, it was simply, they, each shepherd had a sound, a noise that they would make, and their sheep would stop, and their sheep would pick up their head, and their sheep would follow them by their voice. It wasn't a whip, it wasn't a yell, it, wasn't, it was just simply knowing the shepherd's voice, and the sheep would follow them. Every now and then when things are a little crazy at, at, at my house, and I got three kids, one's really little, um, and things are a little chaotic, I've gotten in this really bad habit. I, th I don't know, maybe it's not a bad habit, maybe it's just kind of funny. But, you know, like chaos is happening, everything is going crazy, Max is literally playing in poop, and, you know, you got, and they're smearing stuff, and all this craziness, and I, I will say, Jesus, take the wheel, and I'll just walk off. Like, I'm done, take the wheel. But here's the thing about Jesus, he's not going to take the wheel. That's not his nature. That's not what he wants. Jesus wants to be the best backseat driver you've ever experienced. I hate backseat drivers. But with Jesus, that's what he wants. He doesn't want the steering wheel. He doesn't want to force you to go where he wants you to go. He wants you to choose where you go. And the only way we do that is by listening to his voice and knowing the voice of the shepherd so that when he says turn left, we turn left. Whenever he says, hey, put a little, put a little gas down, let's, let's see how fast we can go right here. Hey, let's slow down a little bit right here. Let's take a right. Let's do this detour because I want to teach you something before you get to this destination. Whatever it is, he's like, man, I want to lead you there. I'm not going to force you to do any of it. So right in this moment, he's saying, I want to lead you down paths of righteousness, down paths of right living, paths of making good decisions, paths of doing things right and honorable and the way that God would want you to all for his name's sake is what he wants from us. But we have to know his voice. We have to finally tune our ear, our spirit's ear to hear his voice and know his voice. Just a couple of days ago, my five-year-old little girl, she was out in the yard and she was uh, she had this big bucket, and she was picking up acorns, and she was all by herself. Everybody else was inside, and she was kind of in her own little world, doing her own little thing, just picking up acorns. And she came in 15, 20 minutes later, and, and my wife said, hey, baby, what were you doing? She said, well, I was picking up acorns, and I was talking to Jesus. And we were like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, that's awesome. And she said, well, did he talk back? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> she didn't do the on the front of it. I kind of added that, but that was basically her attitude, was like, yeah, woman, where you been? Um, 
So she's like, yeah, of course he was. And so we just kind of, you know, inquired a little further. And we're like, so, so like, what did he say? And she said, well, he just told me that he would always be with me. Makes me want to cry. This beautiful, beautiful moment of this little girl knowing the voice of God. And I just wonder, man, if you could get rid of some of the clutter in your life and you could, you could learn the voice of God, could he lead you? Could he whisper that to you that, hey, I'm never going to leave you? Hey, hey, you know what? Maybe this is where you need to go. Maybe you don't need to walk into that place. You don't need to have a conversation with that person. Maybe instead you need to go here. You don't need to look at that. You don't need to think about that. You need to, right? And, and everything that we're doing, we just understand and we hear the voice of God leading and directing because he is the good shepherd. And what he wants to do is he wants to say, let's take a step. Let's take a step. Hey, man, I got something really good for you right around this corner over here. Just keep stepping. We're just going to keep stepping. We're going to go here. We're going to do this. Why? Because he leads us with his voice. Before, before the first service, <clears throat> um, there's a little backstage office that we kind of prep in and kind of pray and get ready. And some of the pastors came around me and were praying over me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and it was just this funny thing. I don't know, maybe God gave me this little illustration, but I had four guys around me praying. Four guys that I know and trust very, very well that believe in me. They're praying for me, and I know them well. Um, and as they were praying, all four of them, out loud, I heard four voices that were chaotic and a little bit crazy, which is good in prayer, right? But I, because I knew their voices, I could isolate, and I wanted to hear what Luke was praying over me. And I could isolate, because I knew his voice, I could isolate what Luke was praying over the clutter of everything else, and I could hear Luke's prayer for me. And then because I know Pastor Bart's voice, I could, I could shift, and then I could focus on Bart's voice, and I, I know what he was praying for me, right? Because I know their voices. So no matter how loud and how crazy and how whatever else was going on, because I knew their voice, I could isolate everything else, and I could actually hear them praying for me. No matter how loud our world gets, whenever you know the voice of God, you can still hear the voice of God when you want to when you choose to, when you put yourself in a position that you can isolate that voice, I know this voice and I can get rid of all the other clutter and I can hear him and I know where he's leading me, I know where he's taking me, I know what he's, what he's doing in my life and this is exactly what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd leads with his voice. This little simple prick in our hearts, this little simple thing in our hearts that we just go, man, is that God? Probably. Was it something good? Then it was God. Was it about, was it, was it doing something good for another person? It was definitely God, right? It was it, anything, pot, I mean, yes, it was absolutely God because he wants to lead us through his voice. It's the way that he works. The next verse, verse 4, says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The fourth thing that the shepherd does, the good shepherd does, is he protects us. He protects us. Some of you guys are more familiar with this translation, um, thanks to Coolio and Gangster's Paradise. But it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. <clears throat> right? That was as gangsta as I could get. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but here's what he's saying. He's saying that no matter how tough life gets, no matter what life throws at you, no matter what comes at you, even if you're walking through death, what feels like death, the greatest fear in your life, you have nothing to fear because he is with you. Because he's right there with you. No matter what is going on in your world, no matter how big of a struggle you find yourself smack in the middle of, he's saying, man, I'm right here with you. 
I'm not going to leave you, no matter what it is that's going on. And then the very next verse, this is or the part of that verse that kind of throws me sometimes, is he said that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Has anybody else ever had trouble with that one? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and you just kind of go, nope. <laughs> Never once, after a spanking as a child, that I look at my dad and say, Dad, your belt and your wooden spoon, they comfort me, man. <laughs> Thanks. It brings such comfort to my life. Right? But we read that, and that's what we think. We think that, okay, yeah, one way or another, you know, God's going to keep us on the straight and narrow. He's going to beat the snot out of us. He's going he's to make sure that we're there. But here's what we've got to understand. The rod and the staff were never for the sheep. Because the rod and the staff were an actual thing that the shepherds carried. Again, people would have understood this because this is what they carried. A rod and a staff were actual tools. They were defense mechanisms against the predators that were coming for the sheep. So the rod and the staff were never used on sheep, they were used on the wolves and on the bears and the lions, whatever it was that were coming to get the sheep. So God says, listen, no matter what you're walking through right now, I've got a rod, I've got a staff, and I'm willing to walk through it with you and to keep the enemy off of you and to keep you protected and to walk through this battle with you. Again, I'm not going to pull you out of it, I'm not necessarily going to rescue you from it, I'm going to help you walk through it. I'm going to walk right through this thing with you, hand in hand, all the way to the other side. What a shepherd would do is they would, they would guard the perimeter of the flock. As the flock sat on a hillside or in a valley or up on a mountain or whatever in the, in the pasture, the, the, the shepherd would just walk the perimeter. Would just walk the perimeter and they would make sure that the sheep are okay. Even if they were in the darkest of valleys, in the darkest of places possible, the shepherd just walked. He just guarded the perimeter. You know, the next time you go through a battle, the next time you go through a problem, the next time you just think, man, I am, I am just going through the worst circumstance of my life. If you follow the good shepherd, then you can guarantee that he is walking around you. He's making a perimeter around you, and he's watching your back. He's watching your left side, your right side, your front. He's watching every single part of you. He is on guard to protect you. He's there for you in every possible way. His rod and his staff are there to take care of the wolves, to take care of the problems. The very next verse, in verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Man, I love this. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. The fifth thing that the good shepherd does is he blesses us. Again, imagine just, you know, he's talking about being in front of your enemies, in front of the, a dark day, in front of some obstacle, some circumstance, some problem. You're up against an enemy, and this is what Jesus says. He's like, right in the middle of that, I'm going to prepare a table. I'm going to prepare a meal. I'm going to bless you right in the middle of this thing. What I want you to picture is <clears throat> Jesus setting a table. If I had a, a, a table here, and he's putting a white linen tablecloth over it, and he went and got some silverware, not that cheap junk from Target that I buy, but like the real stuff. And he's got real silverware, and he's got china, and he's got these beautiful crystal glasses, and then he's got wine, and it's the best wine because we know Jesus can do wine right, right? <laughs> Amen. All right. So, <clears throat> right, and then, he, and then he pulls out that sweet potato souffle, then he brings out that filet mignon, and anybody else getting hungry? <laughs> okay, right, and he sets this beautiful table before me. Now, hold that over here. Think of your... Think of the, your favorite action war movie, right? Think Gladiator, think Braveheart, think in the middle of it, heads are rolling, blood. It's just this nasty, disgusting battle, right? Okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to merge the two. This is, what, this, is, this is the spiritual picture of this. 
is when you're in the middle of the greatest battle of your life and you're facing an enemy eyeball to eyeball and you're going through it and you feel like, man, it could not get any worse. I want you to know that, I want you to have this picture that in the middle of that, Jesus is blessing you. He's feeding you. And he's not just feeding you some little McDonald's meal. This mug is setting a table before you. He's giving you the best that he has, and he's laying it out to you, and he's pouring blessing on you. Put that verse back up there real quick, if you will. And then it says this, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Right there in the midst of the enemy, right there in the midst of your battle, he is anointing my head with oil. He's blessing me. He's pouring his blessings out on me. Why? Just for me? No, so that my cup can overflow. That in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the problem, the anointing of God, the blessing of God is overflowing from your life and it's affecting every single other person around you. It's not just filling you up to the brim just so you can get through your battle. No, no, God says in the middle of your pain, there may just be a pulpit you need to set up and you need to use your story, you need to use your problem to help somebody else connect with God. You may just want to take that anointing because he's given you so much and allow it to touch the people around you. Allow people like they're at work to go, man, I know you're going through some problems right now. Why are you so happy? I know your life is falling apart, and your kid did this, and your money's doing that, and you, you lost your job, you lost this over here, but why are you so happy? Why is there a peace about your life? Well, because no matter what I'm going through, I know that my God is with me, and he anoints me, and he blesses me, and I, I, that's all I can say, man, that God's got me. God's with me. No matter what I'm going through, no matter where I am, Jesus Christ, when he is our good shepherd and we are, we are following him, he's right there with us. Right there in the middle of it, blessing us with more and more of him. The next verse, verse 6, this is the final one. It says this, surely, and we could say cer it's certain, it's absolute certain that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's certain that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. This word right here, follow, <clears throat> is not the best translation. If you go back and you look at the original word, a better translation here would be the word chase. Oh, I like this. Isn't that good? Chase. That it's absolutely certain that goodness and mercy will chase you every single day of your life. That's a promise. The sixth thing is a promise. A promise from the Good Shepherd that absolutely every day of your life, the goodness and the mercy of God Almighty will chase you, will run after you, will pursue you. No matter where you find yourself, no matter where you are, it will chase you. If you came in this place today and you're kind of backed off from God, or maybe you don't know anything about God, or maybe you're straight up running from God, let me just assure you that it's not God's judgment that's chasing you today. It's not God's condemnation that's chasing you today. It is the goodness and the mercy of God that's chasing you today. If you feel condemnation and you feel um, anything else other than goodness and mercy, then it's something that a man is putting on you. A flawed human being is adding to your life, not God Almighty. If you feel anything other than goodness and mercy of God chasing you, then it is another person, and actually that person that's doing that to you, that's adding that pressure to your life, the goodness and the mercy of God is chasing them as well. They just haven't allowed it in. They haven't allowed it to connect with them. I think a lot of us that follow the Good Shepherd, the goodness and mercy of God is chasing us. We just haven't stopped and slowed down long enough to allow it to catch us. We just run, and we just go, and we just do our thing, but we haven't just just stopped every single day 
to spend some time with God and allow the goodness and the mercy of God to catch up with you and grab hold of you and change your heart. Because then when you walk through life, when you go through life, when the goodness and mercy of God is overflowing onto every single person you come in contact with, then your life will change as well as the people around you's life will change. Because you will be full of it. And then the last part of this verse, the last part of this verse is, um, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The promise is you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The goodness and mercy of God is chasing you. It's pursuing you. It wants you. And you will, pers- you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever so that we can spend eternity with God, so that we can take others with us into eternity with God. And so, and I said this at the beginning, that as a sheep, we cannot thrive or we cannot survive without the shepherd. Let me say it one other way, and maybe this will stick with you a little bit more, that your success as a sheep is determined by your proximity to the shepherd. Because a sheep is prone to wander and to be eaten. The only way that you succeed, the only way that you find joy and happiness, the only way that you find success in this life, and you live life to the full, as, as John 10, 10 says, when you, the only way to do that is determined by your proximity to the shepherd. It's determined by how close you stay to the good shepherd, because our tendency is to wonder. Our tendency is to just drift off into la-la land and just think that either we know what's best we, or, or we follow some opinion, we follow some angry person, we follow some this guy or that guy, or we follow something other than God Almighty, the Good Shepherd, who's saying, let me lead you, let me guide you, let me take you into life to the fullest. The only way that we succeed is by staying close to the shepherd. And I love that this psalm, that David, when he wrote this, he wrote this, this, this the perfect metaphor. I mean, he could have chosen the metaphor of a rock, because we've read that tons. He could have chosen king. He could have chosen shield. I mean, there's so many things he could have chosen, but he chose shepherd, because a shepherd is an intimate and relational person, leader. A shepherd is not one that's a boss, that's barking out commands, that's, that's hurting you or, or forcing you to go anywhere. A shepherd is someone who loves who sits with the sheep, who is, who is there. It's not a nine-to-five job. A shepherd isn't one that clocks out at the end of the day. A shepherd is literally there. A shepherd is there when darkness falls. A shepherd is there when the sheep needs food and water. A shepherd is there through anything, through an attack, through anything that's going on. A shepherd never leaves. Why? Because the shepherd is willing to give up their life for the sheep. The shepherd is willing to lay everything on the line for their sheep which is exactly what our good shepherd did. Our good shepherd, not only did he lay his own life down, but listen to what Isaiah 53 says. I love this. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And everybody says, hey, man, right? And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all, has laid everything, everything that we've ever done, every sin and shame, everything that we've done, he laid it on Jesus Christ, he laid it on the good shepherd, and he died for you and me. He took it to the cross so that we could be free of that. Why? Just because he's the good shepherd. Because that's what good shepherds do. Good shepherds lay everything on the line for their sheep, and that's exactly what he did for you and me. And so as I close out, I'm out of time. As I close out, let me just ask you this question. Have you drifted? 
Have you wandered off? Have you, have you found your own path? Maybe you, maybe, you, maybe you come find the good shepherd when, it, when it's convenient. Maybe you come find the good shepherd when it makes sense. Maybe you come find him and you're, and you're kind of following him when you need something or when something's there, something's broken. But in every day of your life, are you following the good shepherd or have you kind of wandered and drifted and kind of found your own way? And you're, and you're led by your own wants and desires. You're led by your own flesh. You're led by some other person, some other shepherd, some other thing. Or are you being led fully by the good shepherd? And I do believe there are people that walk in this room today that, that have never met the good shepherd. Maybe you did years ago. Maybe you grew up kind of knowing him through your grandma or through a friend or through a relative. Or maybe you grew up in a church. You grew up here or there, whatever it is. And and you haven't reconnected to the good shepherd. You've been following a whole bunch of shepherds, but they haven't, definitely haven't been good. And I believe with all of my heart that today is the day that you find the good shepherd. That you surrender everything because he says, man, I, I took the shame. I took the sin. I took it all. And I took it to the cross and I died for you. And so today, if you will, everybody just bow your head and close your eyes. If that's you, I just want to ask you to respond by raising your hand. If you came in today and you just say, man, I'm, um, I'm doing my own thing. I'm running wild. I'm running over here. I'm doing this. I've got my own agenda, my own ideas. I need the good shepherd in my life. I need a leader. I need someone that will take me into sustenance. I need someone that will take me into destiny. Somebody that will take me into the promise that God has for me. And you need the good shepherd. You need to know Jesus Christ today. I ask you at every single campus right now to raise your hand. Go ahead right now. Don't be shy. Nobody's looking but me. I see hands all over this room, and I'm sure there are hands at the other campuses right now. Uh, you, you can put them down. You can put them down. If there's any more, though, go ahead and slip them up. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And, and, and church, let's all pray it together. But those of you that raised your hand, I just simply ask that you believe, that you, that you look to Jesus and you trust and you believe him. Pray this with me, church. So, Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I give you everything. All of my hopes, all of my dreams, all of my sin, all of my shame, every bad decision. God, I give it all to you. And I ask that you come into my heart. You come into my life and change me. Help me to live for you. Help me to follow the good shepherd. Help me to be led well. That I will just follow anywhere and everywhere you go. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give those guys a big hand? That's awesome. Thank you, guys.